Hello everybody, this is E-Bloody Candy, and you're listening to This Is Game Boy Light, Episode 4, Game Boy Collecting. Hello everybody, as mentioned earlier, I am E-Bloody Candy, and we are going to be discussing... Uh, Game Boy collecting, uh, kind of a oddity, so to speak. Um, a lot of people, when you think of retro collecting, people are going to be thinking of like NES, Super NES, um, N64, Sega Genesis, hell, even Atari 2600 for some people. Um, I, I fall into that, that category. But something a lot of people don't really talk about in terms of retro collecting is for Game Boy. And why is that? Uh, Game Boy came out in 1989, so uh, towards the mid-end of the NES life, coming out with Tetris, obviously, Super Mario Land 1, a little bit before the SNES era, but the Game Boy would last, you know, years. The Game Boy, you know, going into well, well into the 90s. Um, and definitely with a overlap with the Game Boy Color. So why is it that people don't really collect Game Boy games? Um, there's probably a couple reasons to this, and a lot of these are pure assumption, just because a lot of this is opinion, a lot of this is not really documented online. People collect things just for the sake of collecting things. There's really no rhyme or reason behind it. Um, with Game Boy, there could be a few factors. Uh, one, the person doesn't have nostalgia with Game Boy. Um, a lot of people see the Game Boy as this like side project from Nintendo. I can play a video game with four AA batteries. I can play this on the car. I can do this. I can do this. Most of the games are ports from NES, Super NES. Um, a lot of puzzle games. Just the, the nostalgia for some people, it just may not have stuck to them. And, you know, they just they just don't want to collect for it. The other side of things is sometimes people just forget about it. <laughs> um, Game Boy was no small thing from Nintendo. Like, Game Boy was quite game-breaking, honestly. But if a person was really hot into, like, the NES, the Super NES the Nintendo vs. Sega Wars between the Genesis and the Super Nintendo. Um, then moving forward, the N64 and, I, I guess, Dream, or not Dreamcast, but uh, the Saturn, I guess. Let's try Sega. Um, but you don't hear a lot of people talk about the Game Boy versus the Game Gear. Um, the Game Gear, in terms of like processing and, sc and screen... Might have been a little bit better than the Game Boy, but for some reason, that little gray brick or pocket somehow exceeded everyone's expectations and skyrocketed to stardom. However, for some people, their nostalgia sticks with NES and Super NES. Um, people like myself, I collect a little bit of everything, honestly. Um, if you were to look in my apartment, you would see NES, SNES, some Sega, lots of Game Boy. Lots of Atari, <laughs> um, a lot of everything. Uh, I find that Game Boy collecting is is a lot easier in a lot of ways. Um, since not many people collect for the Game Boy, the collecting market is still relatively cheap for the Game Boy. Um, 
it's starting to climb a bit right now because people are starting to recognize Game Boy magically recently. Um, but moving forward right now, what we have going on is what I call the retro climax. Um, you have, you look at your NES, your NES, you start from your base commons that are a dollar, two dollars, whatever, ranging up to, I don't even remember what, uh, gimmick is now, like $1,200, $1,300, something of, something of some crazy sort. Then you look at Super Nintendo. Super Nintendo has actually started to take a, a, a decline lately. Um, again, ranging from the $1 to $2 crap commons or sports games up to, you know, again, over $1,000 per game. Like you're looking at like a $400, $300, $400 cart for Earthbound. You're looking at about 150 bucks for Chrono Trigger. And you're looking at about 50 for Mario RPG, which drastically declined lately. Um, but you look at Game Boy. There's a lot of uncommon and rare games for Game Boy. The most expensive Game Boy game right now to collect is uh, Amazing Tater, which loose is a, is worth around $300, uh, complete in box about $1,400. So that's your, your most expensive Game Boy game right now to collect versus uh, like your cheaper ones that are going to be like 50 cents, a dollar. Like I'm talking like your radar mission, your um, sports games, your your Clax, your Caesar's Palace, your Madden 95, uh, all these games, you know, you're talking, you can probably pick them up for a dollar, maybe $2. Um, a lot of the times when I retro shop for Game Boy or just any console in general, I look, I go to yard sales. Um, yard sales are my number one place where I have gotten the best deals on retro collecting. Um, so we'll get we'll touch base on yard sales and how to collect or where to find games. But just moving on through like the stages of this collecting phenomena right now, let's take a let's take a trip back to the early 2000s and late 90s. The internet was still fairly new. eBay was kind of just climbing into the ranks. People had a bunch of their old Nintendo stuff that they probably just didn't care about at all. And they're selling it for dirt cheap. You know, you're you're talk we're talking like you're selling a complete in box Felix the Cat NES for like thirty or forty dollars, which nowadays oh, I would love to find a Felix the Cat complete in box for thirty or forty dollars. Because loose that game is about seventy or eighty bucks right now. So Fast forward a little bit, YouTube becomes a thing. MySpace, other various video vlogging websites. You have people like uh, Pat the NES Punk. You have uh, AVGN. Uh, you have Angry Video Game Nerd, for those of you that don't know what AVGN is. And you have various other personalities on the internet reviewing and showcasing these games. Now, they're talking about either how bad they are how rare they are, how uncommon they are, how good they are, some weird varieties between them. And then people start to notice, like, hey, I have these games. I should play them. Or, hey, maybe people do want to collect these. Maybe people do want to buy these. Then you start to see the, the retro market climb more and more and more and more until it gets to the point where, like, you've kind of hit the retro climax 
you hit the point in retro collecting where every game is just not worth buying anymore. So when it gets to that point, a lot of people probably didn't have their NESs at the time, their SNESs, whatever. NES minis didn't exist yet. So a lot of people leaned towards emulators because it was too expensive to buy the console and X amount of games for what they wanted to do. Uh, so they go to emulators. Recently, there's been a huge thing with, with, with Nintendo and various emulator ROM hosting sites where uh, Nintendo has basically said, hey, if you don't take down these ROMs, we're going to take you to court and we're probably going to win because we're Nintendo. So a lot of ROM sites, I'm not going to say all because it's the internet, a lot of ROM sites have shut their doors. They are no longer hosting ROMs or emulators or anything of the sort at all just so they don't get sued by Nintendo. Now, this is good and bad. There's two spectrums to this. The good is that this stuff is going to be a bit more sought after. Uh, people are going to want to know more about it potentially, you know, a certain game. People are going to be chomping at the bit with Nintendo's subservice. They, they are offering now with a Switch where you can play old classic games on the subservice with friends online. Uh, the virtual console for the Wii U and the Wii systems, 3DS, things of that nature, to try and boost sales that way. The bad side. Now people have to spend money. The retro market is climbing because of this, because now people are like, I really want to play Chrono Trigger. Let me see how much a card of Chrono Trigger is. Oh, only 100 bucks, no problem. Now people are, now we're getting to like the, the supply and demand. There's only X amount of Chrono Trigger carts out there in the world. They're not making any more. Now we're getting to the point where, okay, this cart is now starting to become uncommon. This cart is now becoming rare. Now this cart that was $150 will soon become $300, $400, and climb. These are all speculations and assumptions, but this is how these types of things work. The rarer the cart, typically, the more expensive the cart is going to be. Another side topic to that, the more popular the game is, the more expensive it's going to be. Take a look at Pokemon. Um, basically, every Pokemon game from Gen 1 till now still brings in a lot of money. I went to my retro store recently, and they have a stack. I kid you not, a stack, 10 each, of red, blue, and yellow. They're selling them for $50 a piece. And people are buying them for $50 a piece. It is insane how much the Pokemon games are selling for. And they are not rare. They are not uncommon. They are a very common game. And they were the most played game in the 90s from little children. But the popularity, the nostalgia, the pull with Pokemon keeps that price up. So... What's this mean for, for collecting? Well, honestly, you're going to be expecting probably to pay a bit more for games. Um, some games are going to be become a bit harder to find. And, uh, I mean, yeah, that's, that's going to be the nature of the beast right now. Until Nintendo allows us to buy games again on a virtual console, so to speak, on the Switch, or somehow update like a software or release a firmware or something for the NES Mini and the SNES Mini 
to allow to allow us to buy games on those and fill up like a USB drive or something onto those. We are basically at the mercy of of Nintendo. Um, something I would personally like to see them do is, like I mentioned earlier, somehow have an updated version or somehow push an update to the NES Mini and the SNES Mini to allow people to spend, you know, a dollar or two on a game. So say, like, they wanted to play uh, Sesame Street ABC on their NES Mini. They can go log into the virtual console. They have a library of open NES games that they can just buy. You got to check how many NES games or what NES games you want. You purchase them. You download them to your external hard drive, or whatever, on your NES Mini. I mean, you call it a day. Now you have these. Now you have access to these quote-unquote ROMs that you can play on your NES Mini. On your on your NES Mini now. Same goes for the SNES Mini. Do the exact same thing. Like you have Earthbound. You have I think Chrono Trigger on there. You have Star Fox One and Two on there. Put like, give us another list. Put like Battle Toads, Double Dragon vs. Battle Toads, Gradius, things of that like that that we can just buy. Put onto an external and have the ability to, to play them that would make a lot of people have more access to said games um it would make nintendo a ton of money and it's kind of a win-win overall you're not illegally downloading said roms anymore you're giving money to nintendo which i'm a big fan of because i love nintendo and you get to play the game that you wanted without potentially breaking the law uh, but will Nintendo do that? Probably not. So, uh, but yeah, that's kind of like the how how I like to describe the retro climax right now is it started off very young and now it's got to the point where it's peaked and people that are wanting to collect right now are still pushing. They're still powering through if they've been at it for a while. People just wanting to get into the collecting scene are definitely getting pushed away just by the sheer pricing of everything right now. But uh, when we come back, we'll talk about uh, where we can start looking to buy retro games, where we can get some good deals, and um, how we can tell like whether or not the deal that we're getting is the best deal possible. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, now we're going to be discussing uh, just where to buy retro games. There's a lot of avenues to buy retro games. Um, I've I've I have ventured into many avenues to buy retro games. Um, between my friends just giving me a box of, a box of games, being like, "Hey, like I don't own this console anymore. I don't want to carry this around anymore. I'm tired of it. Just take them." To going to the retro shop and seeing a game of like let's say donkey kong jr math in the glass case for 150 dollars type deal so where do we go again if you have the friend route where they're trying to give you games for free from their childhood obviously that's the best best avenue right um but not everyone is going to be that fortunate uh so what i personally do is i like to go to yard sales um where i live the, a lot of the families are younger, so a lot of the a lot of the games I come across are like 
Xbox, Xbox 360, PlayStation 2, PlayStation 3. However, once in a while, I will come across a box of stuff, and it will have Atari, it will have NES, it will have Game Boy. Uh, my most recent purchase was Earthbound. I went to a yard sale about a month or two ago, and I was digging in a box of toys, because sometimes you can find like old old Nintendo toys that are actually you know worth a uh, worth a nice nice uh, chunk of money as well. Sometimes you can find like a Mario doll, Donkey Kong doll, whatever. But I was digging through this box of toys, and I got towards the bottom, and I saw a SNES cart. Didn't know exactly what it was. I I knew it was a SNES cart just by how the bottom looked. And I dug around, picked it up, and turned it, and it was it was a copy of Earthbound. And I'm like, oh wow! Like I tried to hide my excitement because I didn't want them to know that I found something of super value. And I have this copy of Earthbound in my hand, and I asked the person, I'm like, hey, like how much do you want for this game? He's like, I didn't even know there was a game in there. He's like, ah, how's thirty dollars sound? And I'm like, done. Like I handed the guy thirty dollars, and I walked out of that yard sale with a copy of Earthbound. Now, you might be asking yourself, hey, EBC, how do you know that copy is real? We'll get to that in a minute. That's going to be our next segment of this of this light episode. Um, so, you know, I have I have this copy of Earthbound now that I bought for $30. A three to $400 game I bought for $30. Um, i have bought various other games. Chrono Trigger I bought off Craigslist. Kinda. Story behind my Chrono Trigger purchase. I went to buy Daffy Duck on the Game Boy. There was a posting on Craigslist for Daffy Duck. The guy wanted five bucks for it, and I was like, "Perfect! I'll go buy. I'll go pay five bucks for this game." When I got to this, the person's house, and we we exchanged uh, game for money. We were chatting a bit about about old games, and I saw that he had a bunch of SNES games on his coffee table. I'm assuming he was getting ready to post or do something with. And I asked, I asked the gentleman, "I'm like, hey, can I see what games you have on your coffee table?" He's like, absolutely. So he brought them out to the door. You know, he didn't want me to come in for, you know, whatever reason. He brought them out to the door and he started showing me. And he pulled out a Chrono. He pulled out a Chrono Trigger. And I'm like, oh, my Chrono Trigger. I'm like, I haven't played that game in years. He's like, yeah, it's one of my favorite games. I'm like, yeah, it was, it's one of my favorite RPGs. I'm like, how much do you want for it? And he was hesitant. Like, I felt like he didn't want to give it up because he has such a fun, fun memory of the game. But I asked him, I'm like, hey, like... How much do you want for us? I'm like, I can, I'll give you, you know, 30, 40 bucks for the game. And he's like, yeah, let's do 40. I'm like, cool. I give the guy $40 for Chrono Trigger. Like, $150, $150 game I bought for 40 bucks. So, yard sales, in my opinion, are the number one place to find this stuff. You're going to get a lot of hit or miss. You're going to be like, I'm going to go to a yard sale. You're not going to find anything. Sometimes you're going to go to a yard sale, you're going to find some, and sometimes you're going to go to a yard sale, and it's going to be the jackpot. You're going to find the mother load, and it's going to be fantastic. Same thing with Craigslist. Craigslist gives you the opportunity and flexibility to like search through what people have posted. Again, you're going to come across either nothing, something, or you're going to get lucky like I did, and you're going to hit the jackpot. Um, another good access to games are flea markets and thrift stores. I put these two in the same bucket because they're rel- they are relatively the same. Um, one thing to look out for at flea markets, though, if you see a table that is nothing but video games, 
you need to be very careful at what they're charging you. The reason is, is that collectors now are starting to take their game to flea markets to sell to people, which means they're going to be asking for collector's price on these, on these games. When you go to a flea market, if you see a booth that is nothing but video games, old retro games, new games, whatever, go to that booth. Don't ignore it. Just hop over to the booth, but be very, very cautious of how much things are. If you're seeing a copy of Super Mario RPG for the Super Nintendo for 60 bucks on that table, you probably know that this guy has a duplicate of that game or that guy is a collector and he's trying to sell it to you at collector price. This guy has done his research. This guy knows what he has. Or, you know, let's say you go, you're at a flea market and you find a booth. They kind of have just a, a plethora of everything, right? You go to a flea market, you see some people with like a bike, a stuffed animal, a poster. They just have a bunch of trash, right, in their little plot. You go in there and you see a copy of, uh, let's say... Shaq Fu for Game Boy, because I, I love Shaq Fu. You see a copy of Shaq Fu for Game Boy for five bucks. You grab that shit and you run. That game, Shaq Fu for Game Boy, I kid you not, is like a 60 or $70 game. Um, I don't know why, but it is. Honestly, though, Game Boy prices are starting to, to, to decline a bit. Um, good and bad. Good if you're getting into collecting, bad if you've already had the game and you want to sell. Um, but that's a whole another topic for a whole another time. So, flea markets. Be careful what you're buying. Always pay, always pay attention to the price. If you see a price and you're not comfortable paying that for that game, do not do it. The biggest thing I can say if you're collecting on a budget is be comfortable what you're about to pay. If you're comfortable paying 60 bucks for Super Mario RPG, then by all means, go ahead. It's your money. Do whatever you want with it. However, if you're like, you know, the game is probably worth $60, but I really don't want to pay 60 bucks. I'd rather find the game for 30. Do not buy the game for 60. Hold out until you find the game for $30. It will happen. You would be surprised what people have and they don't understand what it's worth. That is the best part of collecting in anything that you collect. Games, stamps, rocks, whatever it is that you'd pay money for to collect. Sometimes people just have no idea what they have and they just want to get rid of it. Now, we're going to go into the thrift stores. Like I said, I tie flea markets and thrift stores together because they're kind of the same thing. Uh, thrift stores, you do, need, you do need to pay attention to a little bit. Um, I have a couple thrift stores where I live. I have a Goodwill and I have this like hole-in-the-wall type store that really no one even knows about um the hole in the wall store that no one even knows about upcharges everything <laughs> i mean everything uh example i went in there to look for some games and they had a couple atari 2600 games they had skiing which is about a 50 cent game and they wanted five bucks for it and i was like nope but on the reverse I bought about 15 PS2 games from same thrift store for about $3. So you really need to be careful about how they're pricing things. I'm assuming since they have multiple employees, they're probably pricing them at different ranges depending on who is actually doing the pricing. 
since those types of thrift stores really don't aren't under like a corporate umbrella and they can kind of do whatever they want. Now you got someone like Goodwill. Goodwill's been in the news, you know, in the past for selling like campus or campus events or whatever it is for the NES for like five bucks, right? And that game is worth like ten thousand um, dollars. You know, and they've been in the news for other various things, like people like open up and think, "Oh my God, there's a Nintendo World Championship card in here." Oh, you know, they're just going ape shit about it. At Goodwill, you need to be careful of a couple things. One, the price. Sometimes, since Goodwill's been in the news about this, Goodwill has gotten better at pricing retro games. So you need to be careful at what you're looking at when it comes to games. I've I've seen them I've seen them both ends. I've bought an Ocarina of Time gold cart at Goodwill for five bucks, and I've also seen Harvest Moon sixty four at Goodwill for sixty dollars. So you need to be you need to pay attention to what the price is per the game. And another thing to look for, especially in thrift stores like Goodwill, Mom Pa shops, whatever, is a lot of times they won't know what they have. So sometimes they'll put Atari twenty six hundred games mixed in with eight tracks if you don't know what an eight track is because you're young it's a it's a rectangular piece of plastic that you shoved in and it had eight tracks of music on it it looks very similar to an atari 2600 card so if you go into these thrift stores and you're uh, you're you're an active atari collector then you want to look in the eight track section as well if you're not finding anything just in case same goes for playstation they'll they'll shove that stuff into into the cds now, if you're a Game Boy collector going to these thrift stores, you know, Game Boy collecting, Game Boy, this is Game Boy, a Game Boy podcast, you get where I'm going with this. If you're a Game Boy collector, sometimes at Goodwill, if a person is wanting a game and they just don't quite have the money for it, they will actually put the put the games either behind books on top of really high shelves that you can't see or behind other various objects around the area. I found this out in a very interesting way. Um, I went to the Goodwill, and same time I bought Ocarina of Time for $5, I found three Game Boy games at Goodwill. I found Tetris, Super Mario Land 1, and I want to say Radar Mission. And the only reason I found them was because I accidentally dropped the Ocarina of Time cart on the floor because <laughs> it slipped out of my hand. And when I went to reach down and get it, I saw I saw something underneath of the shelf. And when I went down there to look, there were three Game Boy games underneath the shelf. Now, whether or not someone put them underneath there purposely or someone kicked them underneath of there, who knows? But they were hidden, and they had no price tag on them or anything. Like, no one apparently knew they, they were there except for a person that hid them, potentially. So, always, like, even if you see, like, on the shelf, oh, they don't have what I have. Take a little extra time. Take the five or ten minutes out of your day and do some digging around the area. Chances are you still might find something. Uh, also, if you have like jewel cases in your thrift stores, definitely flip through them. Like you know, like the CD, the CD holders that we had back in the nineties. Flip through them. I remember as a kid, I used to put all of my PlayStation One and PlayStation Two and Xbox games into those things. I mean, flip through them, you might find some of some of those games. You obviously won't have the cases for them, but you'll have the game. So that's just a heads up there to look at there. Moving on from thrift stores and flea markets, you have your, I mean, you have your you have your you have your retro stores, right? You have your collecting stores. You have your stores that you go in and 
in the back they have the glass case or open bookshelves of various retro games that you can go in and drool over and fingerprint all over the glass thinking that you want to get that or thinking you have the money to buy that etc etc so here there's a lot of factors that go into this i personally do a lot of my shopping via yard sale craigslist and retro shops i'm a regular at my retro shop when i go in they know me by name i know them by name they know what I go in there for. They tell me if they have anything new. They tell me if they don't have anything new at all. They show me. They get up and physically show me all of their new things that they've received. And in return, I oftentimes get a discount at said retro store because I've spent so much money there and I go in there so much. So, retro stores. If you're brand new to the retro store, obviously you're not going to get this type of pampering. You're going to have to build up to said pampering. So when you go in and you see a Jetsons Cogwheel NES game for $200, you're not going to get a discount on that $200 game because you're brand new and they don't know who you are. They don't know if you're ever going to come back. You haven't spent any money with them. So you're going to, be, you know, you're going to spend the, the full price on this. You go in, you know, maybe you start building up your, your rep with them. You go in and... It's like, oh, hey, you know, David, Justin, whatever your name is. Uh, yeah, we got a couple things in the back. Go ahead and take a look. You know, you go back there and you see that they have three Game Boy Wisdom Tree games there. They have Joshua, Spiritual Warfare, and Exodus. All priced at, you know, they're normal. They're, they're going price on eBay, $15, $20, $30. ask them like, hey, I want these games. You pull them out of the case. and be like, okay, they add them all up and they... They round it to the nearest, you know, five dollars. So, like, say if your your taught your tally was gonna be forty seven dollars, they round they round it down to forty five. You know, you start building that 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 rep a little bit with the store. Then after a while, they're like, oh hey, you know, how's it going, man? And they get up and like, hey, you got you want to see the new stuff we got? Yeah, sure. You know, and they go, we go back. You know, we talk about like, oh, we got a couple new Pokemon games. We got a couple new. Castlevania games, we got a new Atari, we got some new Game Boy Advances, we got some new Game Boy Colors. Let's go to the other side here, we got a couple new SNES games, a couple new N64 games. The boxes down here are still about the same. We got a couple new Atari games, a couple more Coleco games. They start showing you the stuff that they have. Which is awesome because typically I would just eye roll right over it because it's all gray, right? It's all it's all Nintendo colored. So I usually have to. I usually stand back there a bit. And I look into the glass case a bit. And I'm like, oh, they have that game. I didn't notice that there before. I wonder how long that's been there. You know, I, I do this for about ten minutes at each side of the glass case before I decide what I'm going to buy. Well, you know, and then after that, you're like, hey, I want these games, or I'm gonna grab these games, take them up to the front counter, and they and then they ask you two questions. Actually, one really. Are you paying with credit card? Well, generally in 2018, yeah, we're going to pay with credit card. Here's the here's the thing with paying with cash versus credit card at a retro collecting shop. When you pay with a credit card, there is a transaction fee when you pay with a credit card. So, if the person is asking you, are you paying with credit card or cash? If you have the cash on you, always pay with cash because they will give you a discount because there is no credit card transaction fee. To be had, they will give you a discount paying with actual cash. When you pay with a credit card, 
they say, well, I can't give you a discount because you're paying with credit cards because that extra money that they've charged you now is going towards that credit card fee that you just that they just had to pay because of you just you using your plastic card. So, moral of the story is if you're going to use a retro collecting shop, take cash with you. Go to the ATM before you go in. Pull out however much money you are going to take in. Pay actual cash because they will give you a discount on it. If the if the if the owners or whoever's running the cash register at the retro shop has a head on their shoulders, they will give you a discounted price because you are paying with cash. One big retro store that I have used a lot is East Starland. Um, I think it's just eastarland.com, I believe. And they have a, just a plethora of retro games that you can order online and they ship them right to your house. I've used, I've used East Starland quite a bit um, for a lot of, lot of my, my store collecting as well. And I have, and I have a retro store like three blocks away from me. They know me by name. I get discounts, the whole deal. So yeah, when we come back, uh, we're going to talk about if we're getting a good deal, if it's real, if it's fake, and uh, how we can tell what the difference is. So yeah, stay tuned for that, everyone. everybody now we're going to be talking about real or not real type type deal so like i mentioned earlier i went to a yard sale bought earthbound for 30 dollars, right now and as you know i said hey ebc how do you know you have a real cart of earthbound well Thankfully, Earthbound is a popular online game, and I can look up motherboards <laughs> for that game. So what I did when I came home was I went on to my Google machine. I typed in Earthbound SNES motherboard, and the image results pop up. I go through I go through Nintendo Age, Atari Age, looking through various forums, figuring out how how you can tell a board is legit, what the board, what a legit board looks like, etc., etc., etc. Once I figured all that out, I grabbed my earthbound cart, I grabbed my security screwdriver, took the cart apart, opened it up, looked at the board, board was legit. That's how you find out if you have a real or fake SNES or NES cart. When it comes to Game Boy collecting, especially OG Game Boy, it is extremely easy to know if you are getting a fake or not. The first thing to look at is in the oval at the top of the Game Boy cartridge, if it says Nintendo in small print and Game Boy in big print, you're already looking good. You're already looking in the right direction. That is a legit game shell for a Game Boy. Now in that oval, if it just says game centered big text, that is a reproduction shell for that game. You will find these a lot, a lot for rare and more expensive games, such as Amazing Tater, Spud's Adventure, Toxic Crusaders, um, Kid Dracula, Castlevania Legends. You'll, you will find a lot of re reproduction carts for those games. You need to be extremely careful at what you're looking at before you buy it. 
some people will sell the reproduction cards at the same price of an actual official cart. You need to be very careful what you're looking at. So the first thing to look at is in that little oval. If it says Nintendo in small print, Game Boy in big print, you're already on your path. You're already on the correct path of buying an authentic Game Boy game. If you see game up in that oval and nothing else, you want to click the X on that tab and look for another eBay listing. So, once we've gotten past the game case, that is your number one way that you're going to tell if something is a, is a reproduction or not. Your number one way. Moving on past the game case, now you're going to look at motherboards. So, if you're looking at games like Caesar Palace, Tennis, and things like that, they're nine times out of ten, it's going to be an authentic official game because no one's going to take the time to make a reproduction cart of Caesar's Palace or Tennis. That's dumb. If you're buying something like Amazing Tater, Jimmy Connors Tennis, F1 Pole Position, that's right, Mega Man 5, Dark Man, Felix the Cat. Now, we need to be careful of motherboards. So sometimes people will flash a motherboard of, an, of, a, of, a, of another game and dump the ROM onto that motherboard. Not as common for Game Boy as it is for SNES, but does happen. Couple ways to look at this. If you're, if you're shopping on eBay and you're looking at rare games or more uncommon games, look for pictures that have the motherboard in the listing. If you're finding a listing for Amazing Tater and it's saying like this game is authentic, official, $30, and they only give you the front cover, I would be extremely skeptical. I would take a lot of caution and I would message that seller and ask them, hey, can you send me a picture of the motherboard of this game? And if they don't, you unwatch that listing and move on with your life. If they do, then you need to figure out whether or not that board is real. So here comes the hard part with Game Boy collecting. Game Boy collecting is such a small niche community, there are almost zero pictures out there for motherboards on Game Boy games. Um, thankfully, Legs is trying to collect a unified sanctum of said motherboards for Game Boy games. I've been taking pictures of my motherboards of my Game Boy games and sending them to her to hopefully have a centralized area for all of this. But in the meantime, if you're looking at Amazing Tater, high chance you will not find a motherboard of that game online. If you're looking at Mega Man 5, though, there is a there is a moderate chance that you will find a motherboard for Mega Man 5. The difference between the two, Mega Man 5 was a bit more popular than, say, Amazing Tater. Because who wants to buy a video game about a potato? Spud's Adventure is another one. So... You have those ranging against you right now. So how do you know if your motherboard is real or fake? Honestly, the way you're going to do it is a lot of research. Um, you're going to go into Nintendo Age. You're going to go into Atari Age. You're going to read various other forums and blog posts. You're going to compare and contrast other listings that are on eBay with all of their motherboards posts as well. If you see that the motherboard that, that person gave you is the same as like, 10 of the other motherboards you're seeing on the eBay listing, there's a chance that it could be real. 
if your motherboard looks different than you know 10 of the mother um, 10 motherboard postings on eBay there's a chance that yours might be fake it's going to be a lot of research a lot of reading something to look look into when looking at a motherboard is if if there's any wires like physical wires soldered onto the board if you see some weird wire attachment on your motherboard that's already a red flag that means someone's probably tampered with the board to load in something um Something else you can look for are, is the gold lettering on the motherboard. You'll see Nintendo Game Boy. You'll see a date, 1989, 1991, 1992, whatever it is. Uh, you'll see some some markings on like capacitors and such. No understanding what the OEM capacitors, the OEM chips, uh, the OEM batteries that people used, you know, for said cartridges, for said motherboards is a huge thing to understand as well. Um. So with Game Boy collecting, it's a bit more complicated to understand whether or not it's a fake or not beyond the casing. But from my experience with Game Boy collecting, 90% of the re reproductions that you can avoid are based all on the cast are all on the casing itself. If you see game instead of Nintendo Game Boy, you already know it's it's a reproduction of a sort. It's not no that's not authentic something. It could have an authentic board inside of it with a with a repro case. Or it could be, you know, repro everything. Who knows? Don't take the chance on that unless you really want you know, unless you really want to play Amazing Tater, Spuds Adventure, whatever, and don't want to spend the three hundred dollar price tag on it. You just, just care like, hey, I just want a reproduction of this game. I just want a cart that I can just shove into my Super Game Boy 2 and get going. Uh, and that's fine. Reproductions are not always a bad thing. Reproductions are a cheaper form of people to be able to play the game on a cartridge on their actual console. It's not an awful thing. So, moving down the list here, how do you know if you're getting a good deal on a game or not? We kind of touched base on this a bit at like thrift stores and flea markets. If you're not feeling comfortable at the price range that the person is asking, don't buy it. Um, I know it's easier said than done. I've made plenty of buying mistakes in my collecting career so far. Um, I've been collecting retro games for 10 years now. Uh, and I'm 31, so you can kind of do the math. Um, and I've definitely have made my fair share of mistakes. Like I've definitely paid probably asking price or more for a game when I'm like, I could have just waited and potentially have found this game for $20 cheaper, $30 cheaper. Um, it's it's hard. You're like, you're like, oh, I really want this game. I need this game. This game is awesome, but they're asking $60 for it. It's fine. If you're not comfortable buying, the, buying it at $60, do not buy it at $60. There's a chance that down the line, you will find it for cheaper, the market will come down a bit so that game will become cheaper or you know what worst case scenario a year two years from then you end up buying the game again you end up buying the game for sixty dollars but you know what at least you waited you tried to find something cheaper you couldn't but you really wanted it it's fine don't beat yourself up over it it happens um i've heard store i've heard crazy stories of people just getting bizarre luck collecting um one of my friends not gonna mention his name 
one of my friends needed one more Game Boy game to collect to finish off his entire U.S. Game Boy collection. He needed Jimmy Connors Tennis. Finding a Jimmy Connors U.S. version Game Boy game is extremely hard to do. And he got lucky one day and got it for like 10 bucks or 15 bucks or whatever it was. That is the third most expensive game when collecting Game Boy. That game complete in box is 500 bucks. That game loose is $150. So the fact that A, he could just couldn't find a US version of the game, and B, that he just waited so long, he eventually just got a really, really good deal on a, on a pretty uncommon slash rare game. Um, my story, like, I, I collected all five unofficial Game Boy games from Wisdom Tree. Um, these, are, these, are, these are the Bible games, for those of you that don't know. I'll do an episode on, on Wisdom Tree later. And I had a bunch of dupes, but I found a lot on eBay for all five Wisdom Tree games for 200 bucks. Mind you, NIV Bible is the sixth most expensive game for Game Boy. Complete in box is about 300 bucks. Loose, it's about 120. So I bought all five games for 200 bucks. And I had a bunch of dupes. Like I had King James Bible dupe, I had a Joshua dupe, an Exodus dupe, etc. etc. Some of them I turned around and flipped and sold them for profit. The others I turned around and traded to a couple of friends for games I just didn't have. So there's a, there's a lot of like things like that. I'm like, hey, I want it, I really wanted this game. I'll trade you this game for this and this because that's what that's what equal value is. Okay, yeah, sure, and you swap. So sometimes waiting is sometimes really good when collecting, even though it is very hard. So with that, we're gonna take another short break. We're gonna come back. We have some questions that we got in our Discord, and we're gonna close out this episode. Welcome back, everybody. We are reaching the end of Game Boy Collecting. Uh, I hope this episode has been a little bit more informative for you guys. Uh, it's hard to fit a lot of collecting knowledge into about an hour, hour and 15-minute podcast. Um, but I do hope that some of this has got the juices running, uh, made you understand a bit more about collecting in general, maybe not just Game Boy Collecting, but just overall retro collecting or just collecting of any sort, period. Um, but we have a we have a question here from from Gronin Hero. We all know who who Gronin is, Mister Game, Mister Project Game Boy. I think he's doing a, a SNES Mini project right now. You should really go check him out. Twitch.tv/Gronin underscore Hero. Uh, his question is: When I am watching YouTube videos of let's say Game Chasers, Metal Jesus, and random flea market pickups, there is never. Any CIB complete in box Game Boy games? Are they just that rare in the US or are they outshined by other consoles like NES, Super NES, Genesis, PlayStation, and just not picked up on camera? The conventions I go to here in Sweden always have plenty of complete in box Game Boy games, Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance, and a lot of commons. But now and then, kind of rare stuff like Trip World, I might do an episode on Trip World, and Shantae for Game Boy Color. 
So, super good question. Um, complaint in box. See, I don't know how Europe, the European market is. I, I've never retro shopped over in Europe. But in America, complete in box is fairly rare. Uh, it's fairly uncommon, as I should say. It's not rare. It's uncommon to get a complete in box. Couple reasons. Back in the day, kids just threw that sh- that stuff away. Oh, cardboard box garbage, manual garbage. Give me the game. Give me the game. I want to kill Dracula. Give me the game. So. There's that. Um, But people have realized they can make more money selling things pieced out. Um, I've I've been doing a lot of research on eBay lately about retro retro buying and stuff like that. People, uh, the, the same same buyers and stuff will sell a box. They will sell a manual and they will sell the game. In three separate postings, because they will make more money that way than they would combining it all together. Um, I don't know why people are that dumb. Hey, I can spend fifty dollars on this Mega Man Three box. Hey, I can spend an extra twenty dollars on this Mega Man Three manual. Hey, I can spend an extra twenty-five dollars for the Mega Man Three game. Now you're sitting at almost a hundred bucks for Mega Man Three Game Boy when that game is only worth you know twenty five dollars loose. You know it's like oh, holy sh- you know holy holy crap you know. And if the person would have posted complete in box Mega Man Three Game Boy for eighty bucks, someone might have bought it. Chances are someone would have put in a best offer for fifty bucks and gone on with their life that way. Um, I've had decent deals where I have found a box, a manual, and a game for relatively cheap together. Like I've actually found some deals where I can get the box, the manual, and the game for cheaper than the game and the manual. Um, and I'm a big, big fan of collecting manuals for Game Boy games. I have a box full of them. So sometimes it does work out. A lot of times it doesn't work out. Um, but when it comes to NES, SNES, Game Boy, things like that, you're always going to find complete in boxes of a game. Whether it's going to be beat to hell, whether it's going to be mint, there's going to be that huge spectrum right there. But when it comes to collecting, at least here in the States, the big, big things to collect with retro gaming is NES, SNES, Genesis, N64. Like big consoles that put a big dent into the market. So, a lot of times they do outshine Game Boy, Game Gear, Atari Lynx, things like that. Um, other times, like, it is just uncommon to see a lot of Game Boy stuff in the United States in general. Like I said, I've never, I've never retro shopped in the European market. I don't know how they perceive retro gaming at all. But I have watched Game Chasers. I have watched Metal Jesus. And, yeah, I mean, a lot of it is they get lucky and find the complete in box. Some of the times, like, if you can find a complete in box, like, it's going to be $30, 40 $50 more than it should be because you're paying that extra for that cardboard that most people threw away. Uh, 
that's just the nature of that beast. But like looking, but like when you go to conventions, like I, I personally don't have any conventions around where I live for retro gaming at all. If I want to go to a retro gaming convention, I need to go to the East coast of the United States and go to those conventions. But I have seen videos of those conventions and at those conventions, you can see a lot of complete in box games. Uh, that's where a lot of your collectors, that's where a lot of your retro shops are going to go and make a lot of their money. But in the wild complete in box, a lot of people have realized they can make more separating them and selling them on separate listings, or they just straight up don't have them. A lot sometimes, if you're a retro shop, mine actually does it. They will actually take the complete box of the game and put it in the back for when they have a big convention or they have a big sale or they have or something big in the community is happening within retro collecting. Then they pull out those complete box games. And they start, they put a nice juicy price tag on them and people will buy them because people don't know what they're doing. That adrenaline gets going, their wallet comes out, money starts flying all over the place, the credit card starts melting in the credit card machine. That's how that's how it happens in America. Greed, money, you name it, is the reason why some of these complaint boxes just don't make a, a, a straight up appearance in a, a lot of things. Game Boy though, everything, most of everything outshines Game Boy collecting, unfortunately. But um, yeah, it's a really good question. Like a like a complete box triple is like fifteen hundred bucks for a complete box. Loose copy, you're looking at like a three hundred dollar copy of triple. Shantae for Game Boy Color, like I think CIB of that is around five or six hundred bucks. Um, definitely not a cheap game, but a very fun game. So, uh, yeah. Thanks for the question. That was an awesome question. Thank you again, Gran and Hero. With that, we are going to close out this episode of This is Game Boy Light. I am Candy. You can find me at twitch.tv slash Candy, YouTube and Twitter, all at Candy. In terms of events coming up, we have Big, Big Bad Game-A-Thon on September 14th, that entire weekend. Uh, I will be running Cliffhanger Game Boy and Sailor Moon Type R, I believe, easy mode, um, Saturday and Sunday during prime time. So definitely give that a check out. If you're part of our Discord, uh, I will put that event into the events channel. If you are not a part of our Discord community, please join our Discord community. You can find the links below in SoundCloud, Stitch, whatever you are, wherever you are, however you're listening to this podcast, please join us. We're pretty quiet for the most part. Mo gets a little rambunctious, but you know, that's what you do when you're Belgium. So, yeah, anyway, guys, have a fantastic rest of your week, weekend, and we will see you next time on This Is Game Boy. Next episode of This Is Game Boy with Nobo. Actually, it won't be Nobo.